Proverbs 3, 5 through 6 is kind of our uh, verse that we're, we're uh, really using in this series. And it's trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all you do, and he will show you which path to take. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. It, like I said last week, it can be very difficult to trust in the Lord with all your heart. Because we have a lot of things that go on in our life that we don't understand. And we're going to deal a little bit more with that this morning. Have you ever asked yourself, Lord, what's taking so long? Maybe you've prayed about a situation. Maybe you've prayed about a job. Maybe you need a new job, a better job. Maybe you've prayed about a relationship. And that relationship hasn't come to pass yet. Or like me, maybe you've been praying for a dependable, another dependable vehicle. And it seems like it's taking so long. And you go, why is this taking so long? See, one of the problems we have in the United States is everything is at our fingertips and we take it quickly, right? If we, uh, we want to go buy a car, for instance, we go buy a car, fill out the paperwork, and then we can drive off the lot the same day. Now, we may have to take credit out, but we can still get that car, right, if we, if we have the credit to get that car. Or how about when we go to... Uh, when we go to a restaurant and we sit down and we expect our food in a certain amount of time. We're not looking at it going, well, you know, if it takes an hour, we're cool, you know. No, instead, is that the music in the back? Oh, okay, we shut those doors. I was like, man, do, I thought we had praise and worship starting up again. So that's cool. That's our kids back there having a great time. So we'll let them have a great time. But you know, when... We, we, uh, we go to the restaurant, we expect certain things, right? And if we don't get it, we get aggravated, we get upset, we post on Facebook, you know, hey, we're not very happy about this because we expect all these things to happen in a certain amount of time. And so in our life, things have to happen in a certain amount of time. And if they don't, and especially if we're talking to God about it, we start going, why is it taking so long? You know, what about marriage? You know, some people will go, oh, man, I, I want to get married. God... I'm, you know, 25, I'm 35, whatever it is. Well, Christy has her, her best friend, uh, is still not married, and she's a couple years older than Christy is. And I'm sure that sometimes, and she's a great Christian, but I, I'm sure sometimes that goes through her mind. God, what's taking so long? I want to get married. It's not that I don't want to get married, but what is taking so long? But we expect things in a certain time period uh, in, in America, which... Sometimes if you go over to, to, other, to the other uh, overseas, you'll find things are, can be a little bit slower. Matter of fact, you might not get your food for a day. If you look in the Bible, I mean, for somebody to prepare a meal, it took a lot of time to prepare a meal. We don't understand fasting as much even today because back then it took so much time to prepare a meal. If you fasted, you were fasting from a lot of work. There's a lot of stuff you had to do to prepare a meal. So time in America, we, we've really got that, 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 that uh, misconstrued. And so we look at God and we put God on our timetable. Instead of saying, okay, God, what is your timetable? We put him on our timetable. But why, why does it take time, so much time sometimes for God to do what we want or especially what we need? And a lot of it is just comes down to trust. 
When we were looking at the story of Moses last week, we kind of got into the first part of Moses' story where uh, he was supposed to be killed as a baby, but he wasn't. He was put up down the river and was saved uh, by Pharaoh's daughter eventually. And then uh, he goes uh, and, and he becomes a shepherd, and then God speaks to him in a burning bush that never burned up. And if we look at the story of Exodus, when he goes back to Egypt to free the people, and if you've watched any kind of movies, uh, you, you'll know a little bit of that story. One of the Disney movies, you know about it. Let my people go. The Lord said, let my people go. But when he went, this God that is all-powerful had told him this is not going to happen. He's not going to let him go immediately. So he goes and he does these miracles and he says, the Lord says, let my people go. And of course, it doesn't happen. It took time. And think about this, going back to this, his whole life, Moses' whole life was one of waiting. For the first 40 years of his life, he was in Egypt, learning first from his mother about Jehovah God. That was around 12 years. Then learning from Pharaoh the skills needed to run Egypt, or let's put it this way, to run a large group of people. And then when Moses was about 40, that's when he fled, when he killed that Egyptian, and he had to flee. Then he was in the wilderness for 40 years working as a shepherd for Jethro and Midian. And then when he was 80 years old, I talked about last week, sometimes you know, we get to that point, you know, we think we're at a certain age that we need to sit back and relax and let other people do things. I've heard people say, I can't work in this ministry or that ministry because of my age. Well, Moses was 80 years old when the Lord came to him and said, okay, I need you to go into Egypt and deliver my people. But at 80 years old, he went in there to free the Israelites. Now, even though Moses had been told by God that Pharaoh would not let the people go right away, he was still learning to trust God. So you've got to understand something. He didn't have a church like we have. You know, we got churches on every street corner in Arkansas. And he didn't have a church on every street corner to go to. It wasn't like he was going to these things every, every week and, you know, having Wednesday night Bible study and, and, and doing prayer walks with each other and doing those kind of things. It was a lot different for him. So he was still having to learn to trust in God and learn to trust what God was telling him. He had to learn to trust God because getting the people out of Egypt was not going to be the only hard thing that he would have to deal with over this next 40 years of his life. You see, it took 40 years after they get out of Egypt to get to the promised land, which God had promised. That's why it's called the promised land. God promised that he would get them over there, that Moses would get them there. He would use Moses to get them there. Moses had to lead them out of Egypt. And you've got to understand, the Israelites didn't have any rules. They didn't have the Ten Commandments yet. We, everybody likes to quote the Ten They didn't have those yet. They didn't have the law. They didn't understand what to do. They had been brought up for hundreds of years after Joseph had passed away, after they got to Egypt. They had brought up, been brought up for hundreds of years, and they'd been brought up under a lot of pagan practices. So they had a lot of pagan practices that were in, intertwined with what they were doing and how they lived their life. So Moses had to lead these Israelites out of Egypt into the promised land. And they really didn't know God. And it, because time after time, the way we know this is that they would show 
things that they did that showed us that they had no idea who God was. God came down to them in a cloud and spoke to them. God parted the Red Sea and they walked across it on dry ground. Not wet ground, on dry ground. Around three million Israelites walked across on, uh, throughout the night on dry ground. God brought ten plagues on the Egyptians to free them. Ten. They had seen all this stuff and God comes down to them and speaks to them in a cloud. So you're going, if God did all that to me, for me, I'd be like, yeah, man, this guy's real. This is the real God who I've been worshiping for the last, and my ancestors have been worshiping for the last few hundred years. That's not God. Even Aaron, his brother, had seen all these miracles happen and had been the spokesperson, if you remember, for Moses while he was in Egypt. But he didn't really understand who this God really was. One of the times we read about is in Exodus 26, uh, 32, 1 through 6. Exodus 32, 1 through 6. It's really interesting. Now, I told you, they've seen all these things, right? Now, see what happens. When the people saw how long it was taking Moses to come back down to the mountain, they gathered around Aaron. Now, what did I just say a minute ago? Time, right? What did he just say? When people saw how long it was taking, right? It's taking too long to get my food. When they saw, but for them, when they saw how long it was taking Moses to come down off the mountain, they gathered around Aaron. They said, come on. They said, make us some gods who can lead us. We don't know what happened to this fellow Moses who brought us here from the land of Egypt. Now, I do want you to understand, it's a mountain. A lot of times we see a picture and we see, you know, a hill with Moses at the bottom of it, throwing down the Ten Commandments because he's mad about what's going on. But this is a mountain. So, it may, it may take a day to get up and down the mountain. I, don't, I've never, I haven't really looked at it to find out, but I'm sure it took a little bit of time. But still, they're like, we, he's been gone a while, so we need you to do something for us. So Aaron said, take the gold rings from the ears of your wives and sons and daughters and bring them to me. Now, he is fixing to do something here after he has been right in the midst of all the miraculous things that God has done. He's fixing to do something that's just crazy. All the people took the gold rings from their ears and brought them to Aaron. Then Aaron took the gold, melted it down, molded it into a shape of a calf. And when the people saw it, they exclaimed, Oh, Israel, these are the gods who brought you out of the land of Egypt. Did you see that? These are the gods? There was one God that brought him out. He was called I Am. Moses said, When I go to them... Who am I supposed to say that sent me to pull them out of Egypt, to bring them out of Egypt, to rescue them? Tell them I am. But they said, no, these are the gods. We're going to worship something we created because we don't trust God. Even though we've seen all these things happen. Aaron saw how excited the people were, so he built an altar in front of the calf. Then he announced, tomorrow will be a festival to the Lord. The people got up early the next morning. Listen, they were excited. Who gets up early? People are excited to do something. They got up early the next morning to sacrifice burnt offerings and peace offerings to this golden calf they'd made. And after this, they celebrated with feasting and drinking, and they indulged in pagan revelry. So 
You see, they didn't trust who God was. When we're talking about trust in God, they didn't trust. We go through our lives and we have things that happen in our lives that are miracles. If you would stop and think about it for a few minutes, you could probably come up with a few things and go, That's, that really was not possible. How that happened was not possible. Many times we ask God to do something and he does it for us, but then we get down the road and what do we start to do? I don't know if I can trust God in this. I don't know if I can trust him to help me get that job. I don't know if I can trust him in this relationship. I don't know if I have enough trust in God. So we see here Moses is leading a bunch of people, a bunch of people who don't fear God out of Egypt. They have no respect. I mean, here's, here's a God who gets them out of the slavery of Egypt. They have no respect. He was leading a bunch of people that were steeped in pagan traditions. But when Moses gets to this point, when he comes down the mountain and he sees what's going on, yes, he was angry. But I want you to see what he did because what God wants to do is just say, I want to wipe them out and I will take you, Moses, and I will make you a great nation because I'm sick of this. The one true God says, I'm sick of this idolatrous worship. But it was Moses who pleaded with God not to do it. So Exodus 32, 11 through 14. But Moses tried to pacify the Lord, his God. Oh, Lord, he said, why are you so angry with your own people whom you brought out of the land of Egypt with such great power and such a strong hand? You know, have you ever thought that God might get just a little aggravated with us at times? When he has done things for us and then we turn around and we go, oh, I just don't think God can do it. I tell you, I've got to call somebody else to help me out. I've got to do something else to get me through. And we rely on other means to get there instead of saying, God, I trust you. I'm bringing this to you. Will you open up the door? Will you make this happen for me? Sometimes it's so bad that we turn away and we walk away from God just like the, just like the Israelites did here. They're saying, you know what? Hey, we're done with God already. All these things he's done for us, let's go to something that is a lot easier, a lot simpler for us. Why, why let the Egyptians say, this is Moses still talking, their God rescued them from, uh, with the evil intention of slaughtering them in the mountains and wiping them from the face of the earth. Turn away from your fierce anger. Change your mind about this terrible disaster you have threatened against your people. Remember your servants, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. You bound yourself with an oath to them saying, I will make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the heaven. I will give them all of this land that I have promised to your descendants and they will possess it forever. So the Lord changed his mind about the terrible disaster he had threatened to bring on his people because Moses had pleaded with God. Now, why does it take so long for God to answer? You're saying, are you going on to a different message here? Because I don't, you know, you're saying one thing over here. No, I'm trying to, I'm trying to set this up for you. See, when Moses, when Moses first, his first 40 years, what did he learn to do? First 40 years, he learned about God, and then he learned about how to manage a large nation of people. His second 40 years, what did he learn to do? He learned patience because he had to herd sheep around. Sheep don't run like cows do or horses or some of these other animals. You herd them around and you got to make sure that they don't go on the deep water. 
and they don't drown or they don't fall off a cliff over here. Sheep are kind of dumb. The Israelites are kind of dumb, right? They didn't know what they were doing. So Moses, Moses had learned how to deal with them. And then you go, okay, but why did God not go ahead and take them out of Egypt immediately? What took so long? What was the process? See, a lot of times we look at it and it's like, oh, God did all this just to, because he was getting back at the Egyptians, because he was angry with the Egyptians for what they had done to his people. But if, if Moses had walked in there and the first thing, he throws his staff down and it becomes a snake and Pharaoh goes, oh, it's a snake. I tell you what, get out of here. I don't want any more of those around. And they had left Egypt. Would Moses have had that trust and faith in God to do what he did right here and say, wait a minute, you did all this for us, God. You did all this for the Israelites, and now you're going to destroy them, so I plead with you, don't do it. See, Moses had already began to learn to trust in God. He had seen it happen over and over and over again. He was rescued as a baby, put into Pharaoh's court. He escaped Egypt without death. And then he comes back and he sees ten plagues come on them. Plagues that came on them. Seven of those plagues came only on the, on the Egyptians. And the last plague, of course, killed all the firstborn of every house. Hundreds of thousands of people died in that plague. And Moses saw this happen and he saw how God protected the Israelites. And how God worked for that. If it had all happened real quickly, Moses wouldn't have had this much fire and this, this much passion. He wouldn't have understand. Moses had to work so hard to get out of Egypt too. Have you ever worked hard for something? And have you ever had somebody give you something? The thing that you work hard for, it's a, you, 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 you know, I'm going to take care of this. I spent a lot of money on this. I spent a lot of time on this. I don't want somebody to mess it up. Somebody gives you something over here, you may not have the same feeling about that because you didn't have to put any work into it. Moses had to put work into this. I mean, this was, this was, his, this was his thing now because he had to be a part of it. God was building that trust and building that tenacity and building that patience in him. When things are taking so long, in your life, what you need to understand is God is preparing you for what he has for you. You don't know how big and how great the task is ahead of you. And if you try to rush it now, you may trip up over here. You know, I, a message I gave last year, we talked about Mount Everest and, and, and going up on the mountain. Sometimes we rush into things because we want to do it, we want to be the first person there, or we want this thing, or we have to have it right now. It, it, you know, that, that's our mentality, right? I'm not an Apple guy, but when, Apple, when, the, when the new Apple iPhone comes out, everybody's going to rush, and they've got to pre-order it, and they've got to be there, and they've got to wait in line at the store for this phone. Because I've got to have it right now. Doesn't matter if there's an issue with it. No, that's, I've got to have it now. But we do that with a lot of things in our lives. We rush to those things, and then we don't. We're not prepared for what needs to really be going on. If you rush up Mount Everest and you forget to take the right clothes, it might be warm right now, but in two hours you might be freezing cold because you didn't take the right clothes or the right boots. Or maybe you get to a point where you need a certain kind of tool to get 
uh, past that point. But if we rush into things, we can miss that. And we need to slow down and say, wait a minute. Okay, God, let me trust you. Let me trust that you have got this in your hands, that you have decided how it's going to happen, and that you know what plan that you have for my life. Let me trust in you, God. And when we look at this, it wasn't just Moses. We can talk about a lot of different people in the Bible that he did this to where it took time. Joseph, the story of Joseph, it took a long time. But God had an ultimate goal for Joseph. When you look at Noah, it took a long time to build the ark. But because of that, he saved all of humanity. Just because God promised you something doesn't mean that it's going to happen right now. You've got to stop saying, well, God promised it, it's going to happen. No, it's going to happen exactly the right time when God wants it to happen. And it's hard to look at things like that. It's hard to say that. We want it to happen right now. So it's hard to wait. But we need to. And if we wait and we understand that God is preparing me, that every week I'm learning something new, God is speaking to me so that in, in, he's speaking to me in various ways and he's preparing me to take on what he has for my future. He's preparing me for that. And I say that specifically about me. I mean, God's preparing me. I don't have everything I want right this second. But I know that God is preparing me for what he's got in the future. I will appreciate even more what he does in the future because I have waited on God. Because I have trusted in God. When we look at our church even, God is doing the same thing, preparing it for the future. He's preparing it for the future. He's preparing it for what he wants, for people to come to salvation, for people's lives to be changed, for people to be delivered and set free from sin and bondage. As bad as I want certain things right now, I've got to understand that it took a long time. When I look at Moses' life, I have to say, hey, I've got to be like Moses and put my trust in the Lord. The second part of that verse, remember, verse 5 and 6 of Proverbs chapter 3 says, I will seek his will in all that I do. See, when we get in a hurry, we're not seeking God's will. We're seeking our will. We want it done our way. We want to do things our way. But instead, when we say, trust in the Lord with all your heart, lean not on your own understanding, in all your ways, in your... It, acknowledge him in all that you do look at his will and say God what is your will and if we do that he will make sure that we're going the right direction but we can't use just the first part and say trust in God and I'll do what I want to do that's not trust that's not trust at all that's like it's like somebody telling you directions to go somewhere but go that you've never been there right you know well, they said it's over here, so this is a better way. Maybe you should just stop and trust that person, right? And we do that with God, though. God says, I need you to go this way. Well, ah, yeah, but this would be a better way. This is faster, God. This is better. Trust in him in all that we do. You know, it's time for us to give up. It's time for us to stop trusting in ourselves because when we do, we become exactly like the Israelites. They were trusting in themselves. We become like them. We build things and we put them in our life too. think about that to replace God because that's what these things do they replace God we want joy 
So we watch a, a comedy. And I'm not against watching a, a good comedy. But we watch comedy to get joy. Instead of going to Jesus and saying, Lord, give us true joy that will last. Because after I get finished watching that movie, maybe I just wasted two hours of my life and I got other things I need to be doing. But I go to Jesus and he can give me joy, unspeakable joy. We fill our hearts and our minds with things that have nothing to do with God. And then we wonder why we don't see or understand where God's taking us. I believe that if the church would grab a hold of this very concept of trusting in God in America, and stop trusting in, my, uh, in, the, in the dollar, stop trusting in a preacher, stop trusting in a, a music leader, or how the music's done, what kind of building it's in, if we would trust in God, if we would grab a hold of this, we would not see all the depression, anxiety, and fear that we see in church. And it's rampant. People go to church on a Sunday, go home, and nothing's changed. Instead, if we would do this, we would see people that have eyes of victory, people that have courage in their heart, and people that are never defeated. See, we see this in the church around the world. There was a story this last week where this couple would not deny Jesus, and for 17 hours, they were forced to stand in a freezing pond. I can give you story after story after story of people who have stood in the face of adversity, and they have counted it all joy. See, that's what uh, James 1, 2 through 4 says. It says, count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know the testing of your faith. I'm reading, I don't know what version I got here, but I'm reading this part of it. You know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness, and let your steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. So when we're wanting certain things, when we're in a hurry, and we stop trusting in God, then we lose our joy. Because what did he say? He says, and let steadfastness have full effect because of the testing of our faith. Our faith begins to be tested. Moses' faith was being tested too. He does all these miracles. I don't care if God's telling you, I, I'm going to do this miracle, but it's not going to work. It's not going to happen. You're still going to be going, what? Then, why, then what's going on here? Testing our faith to see where our faith is with God. This week, this very week, my birthday, the 16th, I think it was. Maybe it was the 17th. Baronel Stutzman is a, a florist. 70-year-old florist in Washington, I think, or Oregon. Washington, yes, Washington. And a few years ago, she politely, 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 politely refused to serve two homosexuals that were having a wedding. She had served them for years, but they wanted her to take her artistic abilities to celebrate something that she was opposed to biblically. Her faith was opposed. So the state come down on her and says, no, you've got to do this or you've got to shut down, you've got to lose everything you've got, including your house, all this stuff. So it goes to the Supreme Court of, of Washington State, not Washington, D.C., Washington State, and this last week, the Supreme Court ruled against her and said, no, you have got to do this. Even though it goes against your faith, you have got to do this. 
So she's appealing it to the Supreme Court of the United States, and I pray that they will hear this case. It's a big case for Christians. It's a big case for Christians. Why has God not intervened in this situation? Why is she going through this? Only God knows, but she trusts exactly what God is going to do in her life. She still trusts in him, even though she can lose everything she's ever worked for. She still trusts in him. She still counts it all joy, even though she's going through a trial, through something like this. And just because we trust in him doesn't mean everything's going to go exactly how we plan, exactly how we like it, exactly how we want it. That doesn't, doesn't mean that's going to happen. There's a lot of preachers out there today that will give you a good message. They'll make you feel good before you walk out of that service. You'll feel really great. And I'm not saying we can't feel great. But we also got to understand this is reality, folks. If we're going to serve the Lord, things aren't going to be perfect because we live in an imperfect world. Things aren't always going to work out the way we want it to. Moses leads these people out of Egypt. They see miracles after miracles. And I don't believe for a second Moses thought that the people of Israel would react the way they did. Why did this happen? Because their hearts had not changed. And God had to change their hearts. They had to change their minds. He had to get them to learn to trust in him. And sadly enough, many people died in the process because they just didn't trust God. When we don't trust God, things happen in our lives. And then go, what do we do? God, why are you doing this to us? Maybe God ain't doing nothing to you. Maybe it's just because you didn't trust him and you went the wrong direction. So it can be the same way for us as it was for the Israelites. Why is it that people who put their faith and make a commitment to Christ walk away from the Lord? Because they never put their trust fully in him. They never learned to trust him. And when things go a different direction than they feel it should be going, they say, well, maybe I should not go that direction. Let me go do something else. And if you, if you see it, normally they, they, slowly, they slowly walk away. We've got some friends that we're praying for that their marriage is, they're, they're split up. Both of them Christians. Both of them grew up in church. But the wife has walked away from God and is walking away from her marriage. And it didn't happen overnight. She didn't just walk away overnight. It just happened over about a year's time. She stopped trusting in what she knew about God, what God had done in her life and spoken into her life. And she began to listen to other things that were pulling her the other way. And she began to say, maybe I should be doing this instead. Maybe this just really isn't the way I should be going. You go, oh, well, they must not have been very good Christians. This couple moved to a different state to help a church planner plant a church. No, they, they're good Christians. He came home and he's, he's praying and, and, and spending some time with his family trying to figure this out. And then he, you know what he told his family? He says, you know, it's partly me. 
because I haven't put my trust in God like I should be. I haven't been watching out for my relationship with the Lord. And we have got to be careful. Because we have a choice. We can either live for Christ or we can live in the flesh, do our own thing. We can walk away. When we trust God in everything, when we seek his will in everything we do, then we know that whatever happens, whatever comes my way, that God makes all things work for good to those who love him, for those who are called according to his purpose. Story we told Wednesday night at Bible study. Missionary, I can't remember what river it was. It was a, a river, I think it was in Africa. A missionary goes there to reach people. And he's killed and his body's cut up and thrown into the river. You go, what a waste. But because his body was cut up and thrown into the river, his blood was in the river, the tradition said that everyone on that river had to hear this missionary story. And because that happened, people all down the river, villages, began to get saved because they had to hear the gospel. We don't understand why God does certain things, but we still must trust and understand that what happens or how fast it happens or how slowly it happens, that he works it all for the good, for those who love him, for those who are called according to his purpose. And those people are those that have put their faith and their trust and their hope in Jesus Christ. You can go to church, you can feel good to go home, or you can have a relationship with Christ and you can make church part of that relationship with Christ. And you can make Bible study part of that relationship with Christ. If you do it the other way, then it's just, it's just an, another thing. Like one guy said, it's just a country club. It's just a place where I go and hang out with my friends, drink some coffee, and go home. I don't want to be that way. I want my future to be decided by Christ, not by myself. This whole process, as we talked the other night, we talked about, Wednesday night was a great, uh, you should come if you haven't come before and, and just experience it. Wednesday night we got to talking, we're in Acts, but we got on the miracles and talked. Every one of us were sharing miracles that have happened in our life or happened in friends' lives or people that we know. And you began to go, wow. But then as we told these miracles about what God did, we started realizing just that what I'm talking about this morning, they didn't all happen perfectly. It wasn't those people's perfect timing. It was God. And one person that we've been talking about, his name is Eric. And, and Eric... Uh, is someone that R.C. and Mike know. And the guy just got saved a few years ago, but he's, he's, he's got stage four brain cancer, right? And they say when you see him, he's got a smile on his face all the time. He has joy that comes from somewhere else. And you go, well, you're going to be healed, right? You know, you're praying, you believe that you're going to be healed, right? What is he saying? He says, well, yeah, that'd be great. And I pray that I do get healed. But you know what? If I don't, man, it's going to be pretty awesome. Because I know where I'm headed. Of course, his wife and kids probably think another thing. But hey, that's the attitude that we need to have. 
when things don't go exactly the way we think they should go, we don't stop trusting in God. Instead, we should run to God and say, God, I don't understand this at all, but I trust in you. Above anybody else, above anything else, I trust in you. I trust that you've got this taken care of. And it may not be great, it may not be perfect, but I trust in you and I know that you're going to take care of this. Now, I don't know where everybody is in their life. I don't know where your life is with the Lord. I don't know if you put your trust in God. I'm not God. I, I, I can't judge you because I don't know. But you have an opportunity to trust God. If you just bow your head and close your eyes, we're going to take a moment with the Lord. And I want you to look inside your heart and inside your life. And I want you to begin to ask yourself, where is my trust right now? Is my trust in God, the, the maker of heaven and earth? Is my trust in God, the one who rules and reigns? Mike, why don't you come up here? You come here. Is that where my trust is right now? Or is my trust in my job? Is my trust in my boss? Is, is my trust in something else other than God? Have you put your ultimate trust, which is salvation, in the hands of the Lord? Have you put your ultimate trust in Him? Or are you putting it in something else? Maybe you're saying, I don't want to run to God. I don't, I just, you know, I could do this on my own. I think church is great. I think it's a cool idea. It's a cool concept, you know. And I want to go. I want to have some friends. And, you know, I love God. But, you know, if it gets in the way of the other things I need to do and want to do, I just don't know. We've got to give up. Moses didn't bring the children of Israel out of Egypt. God did. Moses was just there to facilitate it on the ground where's your trust in God going to be if you walk out of this place today where's your trust in God going to be whatever happens to you where's your trust in God going to be